Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. 11.34 in the zone, and our question today today is, what sporting event are you most looking forward to next now that the Super Bowl is in the books? And for those of us who are football fanatics, it kind of sucks, unless you're really in, into this and excited about this XFL, uh, AFL thing, or whatever it's called, USFL. With the Rock? Yeah, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I don't. I mean, I'll maybe watch it if it's on. I might even throw a few dollars on it, but yeah. I do not care. I'm excited about baseball starting this week. A lot and of so people, our listeners, 72 percent of them, 72 percent are looking forward to Razorback baseball. That's over uh, waiting around for the March Madness, over waiting for the Masters, over waiting for the start of football season. I'm glad that people look. Baseball is more now than it ever has been, and I've lived here for almost 30 years. It is more a part of the fabric of Arkansas sports fans than it ever has been. It's really? great. Why is yes. I feel like they've always been very— Success breeds is what it is? interest level, yes. I get it. So, anyway, I'm excited about it. I think, And obviously there's the potential to go really deep. Arkansas picked to win the SEC. Arkansas going to be one of the favorites to go to Omaha. And all the pressure falls on the players and coaches. So we'll, we'll deal with that with them. Yes? What is it about track? You know, that's the best— thing we have at University of Arkansas. I don't see a lot of fans just being, ooh, track season's coming. It ain't on TV very much. Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. In the United States, track and field does not resonate in the same way. I love track and field. Me too. I love I love Best athletes on the planet. They're way up there. I'm a big track and field guy. but Way up there? Who's higher than track and field athletes? Basketball's pretty high. Like strength, jumping, speed. No. You've seen like a... Well, it depends uh, how you define athlete. Let's debate this in a bit. Let's bring Matt Hobbs in. He's waiting. He's got stuff to do. He's got he's got athletes to get ready for yeah, baseball yeah. season. Coach, where do you rank baseball players in the pantheon of athletes overall? Uh, good question, and thanks for having me. Uh, I uh, It's a skill. I mean, it's tough to throw and hit a baseball, so I think the skill part would be up there. But I went to a track meet. I heard you guys talking about track. I went to a track meet with my wife and my kids right when I got this job, and you want to feel bad about yourself physically go walk through the track when they're out there competing it's like they're floating physically yeah it's like they just bounce different and they they jump the explosion i mean i've never seen anything like it different different athlete man like that's a different athlete they like physically they look different they're like insanely fast springy it's like the greatest athletes collection of athletes I've ever seen in one place. It's all relative, though, Coach, because I could go see the Razorback ping pong team play, and I would feel bad about myself then, too. So, I mean, Skill-based. Yeah, it depends <laughs> how unathletic you are. Difference between skill and athleticism. Guys like you, Coach, and you, DJ, it's harder to True. impress you guys when it comes to athleticism. I'm just like, wow, that guy's backhand is insane. <laughs> so, I mean, I got 80-year-old women beating me in pickleball. I mean, forget it. We're, we're on different levels, fellas. So, um, Your pitcher, Hagen Smith, Coach, I mean, what else can you say about him? But he's really awesome at what he does. Preseason All-American and first-team All-Conference, and understandably so. Hopefully you got more than one pitcher on there by the time it's all said and done. What did he need to, or did, what did you want to see from an improvement standpoint, especially from a guy that's playing at that high of a level already? Well, um, he needed to throw more strikes with his fastball, first of all. I mean, that has always been the kind of the thing. He, he was, he's a good strike thrower, but he wasn't a great strike thrower with his fastball. And that's improved. And then he needed to add something that moved away from hitters, at least from right-handed hitters. You know, with his the two spin pitches kind of move into righties, and his fastball at times moves into righties. So adding a split really helped him. And then, uh, but I think the biggest thing he did was get stronger in the off season. Um, we didn't pitch him in the fall for that express purpose for him to just stay with our strength coach. 
And we wanted to do it in the summer, to be honest, right after the season ended, but he's invited to play for Team USA. And, you know, there's a few things I just never say no to as a coach or I tell guys I would encourage you guys to do in the summer. Team USA is always one of them. So we, we wanted to let him have that experience. It's the second time he's got to do it. So that's a big deal. And so we did it in the fall instead. He did, a, he did a really good job with our strength coach, getting himself stronger and physically just more ready for the season. I think that was the, – the, the other things are important too, don't get me wrong, but the biggest thing he had to do was get stronger. What's the velo difference in the end of last year and the start of this season? Uh, last year, I think the last time he pitched, he would like be bumping 96. Um, but he pitched kind of like 92, 93, 94. Mm-hmm. And maybe games are going to be higher, obviously. And so far this year, I mean, he's, he's clipped 100 every time he's thrown live. And it's been, you know, 97 to 99 pretty much consistently consistently in these, in these scrimmages leading up to the season. I don't know if he's going to pitch there all season, but he's not showing me that he's not going to right now. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Talking to Matt Hobbs on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline, if you're just tuning in, pitching coach for Arkansas. Help me understand the difficulty of a collegiate pitcher, especially even even one as talented as he is, mastering and adding a pitch to the to the repertoire. How hard is that to do? Really hard because you've been successful, especially so you take a guy like him that has had success with the other stuff, and since he's been here, he's tinkered with his breaking ball, but he's found one that finally worked for him, and he added a cutter last year at this time, and that that pitch has worked for him. So when you're asking him to add something else. To the arsenal um, it's tough because the other things are so good and there's only so much training economy that pitchers have in terms of the amount of pitches they're going to throw in the middle of the week or the amount they have to work on pitches so you almost have to make it the goal for a chunk of time where that's really all you're going to work on if you're going to add something from zero from ground zero i mean he threw it a little bit last year and a little bit in the summer but really was not a, a high usage pitch for him at all and I'm not saying it's going to be something he's going to throw 40% of the time this season either. But it takes what it takes in terms of like what you have to put into that pitch. And the pitch needs maintenance, and the pitch needs you know time. you have to give it time. So it's difficult, especially when you're, you're at the level that he's at. I mean, he's really good, and he wants to continue to be really good. So asking him to try something new or kind of saying, hey, this is something you need to do. And he's open to it because he's a competitor and he wants to be better. But – it takes a lot of time, and even then, even with the amount of time he's put in and how, how much better I think the pitch has gotten from the first day he's been working on it to today, it still needs maintenance, and it still needs work. So I don't think, like I said, I don't think this is going to be a pitch you're going to see him throw 30 40% of the time right out of the gate, but it could be a pitch that he uses you know, significantly more as the season as the season goes on. Coach, can I ask a, a baseball question from somebody who doesn't know much about baseball? Now you got me curious about these pitches. Uh, compare it to like the, the scenario how people say if you were to only have two clubs going golfing, playing golf, which clubs do you take? Uh, a pitcher, he only has three pitches that he can use all year long. What would be those three pit- pitches that he would need to be successful? Well, you need to have a fastball, first of all, just to be able to get stuff, get people off other things. And then you need to have then – it, then it breaks down into how often the other pitches can get you results that you're looking for. So if you're a ground ball pitcher, maybe you're throwing more change-ups. If you're a guy that's going to have a higher leverage amount of strikeouts, you're going to be throwing more pitches, more spin pitches like sliders, curveballs, and cutters. And then you'd have to look at, all right, take all the pitches that you throw. Let's say you throw three pitches. Take all the pitches that you throw. You're going to take a 
end zone strike percentage pitch. You have to take one of those with you that's in the 60, 65% range. This total swing, foul ball, swing and miss, call strike. You're going to take that pitch with you. Then you have to take a whiff pitch. you got to take a pitch you can get swings and misses on. Um, so then you're going to take a pitch that's in the 30% swing and miss rate, you know, in or outside the strike zone. That would be like an that's like an average. If it's better than that, obviously, like like Hagen's slider, for example, was like 43% whiff last year. So he'd take that pitch with him. And then you have to take a pitch that gets you off the other two pitches. And maybe that's a changeup, or maybe that's a split, or maybe that's something that he can throw in the strike zone or out of the strike zone. Maybe it's a 55% zone zone pitch for him. So he throws something in between the other two pitches that are going to be higher usage. And then you just take those three pitches and break them down by percentage of time you want to throw each one of those pitches. And that's sometimes determined by handedness of the hitters you're going to face, lineup density, you know, a lot of different things go into that. But I, I like to think about it more about what do the pitches do, what do the pitches achieve against the barrel, and then build a game plan from that. I don't know if that answered the question yeah. or not. I'm sure you answered it. It's just... I, know, I know DJ was hoping for a very thorough answer, Coach. That was pretty <laughs> – <laughs> Pretty basic and kind of the, just the ground of it, but that's fine. You know, we'll go deeper some other time. Yeah. Um, have you ever taught a guy to throw a knuckle, or have you ever coached a knuckleballer? <laughs> uh, Scott Acamini at Chapman University in is a Division three school in Orange County. It was my like first ever coaching job. I don't even know if I was the pitching coach. I think I was just helping. <laughs> but he threw something called an exploding knuckleball. And he threw a knuckleball that was like 85 miles an hour. It was a terrible pitch, but I mean, it—that's the only one I've ever had any experience with. Is there a place for that in today's modern baseball? Yeah, absolutely. If There's it's a place well? for everything. Yeah. Okay. People, people just spend too much time worrying about numbers and things like that when it comes to pitches. The only thing you have to worry about is does it fit your arsenal and can it get hitters out? Yeah. So there's a place for every single pitch under the sun. Uh, for everybody, yes. There's never a, there's never a time not to have or to to add and subtract things from your arsenal. Knuckleballs are just as effective as other pitches if you can throw them. I mean, it right. it takes a long time, and it's usually a pitch somebody adds at the end of their career. But I think George Kirby, a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, threw a knuckleball in a game last year just because he had it, and it, that's like one of the best command guys in the big leagues. I mean, mm. he he certainly found a place for that in his arsenal. So why can't we find somewhere? We don't have anybody that throws one. Right. Um, I wouldn't consider myself any kind of an expert at teaching it, so I can't tell you that while I'm at the University of Arkansas, you're going to see a lot of those pitches, but there's a place for everything. I like how you give us a five-minute analysis on the pitching philosophy, and then you go, it's basically just like, you know, hey, can you get guys out with it? That's cool. <laughs> I would like to see inside your brain, Coach. There's a lot of things going on over there. It's like you're painting Renoir's over here, and over here he's just like slapping paint up on the wall. His brain has got a lot going on, DJ. That's impressive. Um, let me ask you about the rest of your pitchers, and, and I want to start with Tiger and the, the move from the bullpen. I know he's been a sometime starter for you, but you know we we talked from day one. It seemed like you know this guy's got great stuff. Maybe he becomes. I guess we've been talking about him as a starter ever since he came out of the pen initially as a freshman. How do you think he that yeah. transition works? What are keys in getting him right for that role? Uh, he has to be able to use the depth of his arsenal as a starter. I mean, as a reliever, everybody saw how good he was with two pitches. It was basically just fastball, curveball, mostly curveball, to be honest. It was like a 55% usage on his breaking ball as a reliever, and he doesn't have to do that anymore. He's got a good fastball, a really good changeup. He's added kind of a sweeping slider, and his curveball is his curveball. It's always been a really good pitch. So he has to be willing to use a deep arsenal. That has to be the thing that Brady hangs his hat on, is that he can throw kind of any pitch in any count. And he's aggressive with how he uses his pitches. I love it. Um, 
He's not afraid to throw any of these pitches. So you're going to see four-pitch mix out of Brady. And as long as he doesn't lean too much on one pitch of any type, I think he's going to be really successful. I think we saw that a little bit towards the end of last year when we had to bring him back after the flexor issue he had. You know, we had to bring him back as a starter, and it ended up being great for him. It calmed him down a little. And I think that's the key for a young pitcher transitioning from the bullpen to the rotation is you have to be able to be comfortable throwing 60, 70, 80, 90 pitches instead of just as hard as you can for 40. Mm-hmm. And I could see, I, you can see it in Brady. I think Brady's always wanted to start, and we've always kind of thought he was a starter just because he did have a deep arsenal. And when he was a freshman, he just leaned on the two pitches, and he was excellent in that role. So okay. he's been great. The transition has been good. He just has to be able to be comfortable staying with his arsenal and using it and using it the way that he needs to, which he's he's done a nice job of. And it'll just be you know, when the rubber meets the road and the season starts, he has to continue to do those things if he's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Coach, you uh, obviously you got your guys back no matter what, but within your own team, uh, which one of the hitters is the hardest for your pitchers to get out? Man, there's a couple of them. Uh, Vahiva Aloy is is really, really tough to deal with, the transfer from Sac State, because it's power and it's better plate discipline than I thought it would be. He's just he's dangerous. Um, and he's also, like, the personality-wise, it's, it's that, that's what you need to be a hitter. He, he doesn't get too wrapped up in how is that bats go. He's, he's just very, very confident when he steps in the box. And Kendall Diggs is, like, nightmare fuel for me in terms of he doesn't chase a lot. He's he can hurt you on the pull side. He'll take a backside single. It's just like guys like that. Him and Hudson White, guys like that. I guess Ben McLaughlin too. Mm. And Stovall when he's when he's back healthy. Those guys are just like they're just tough to deal with because they they see a lot of pitches. They don't chase a lot. And then when you make a mistake in the zone, they can hurt you. You know, for extra bases. Or, or and then I'm also willing to take a single, which as a pitcher kind of sucks. <laughs> you want them to be one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, but those guys are all pretty, you know, their 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 game is pretty multiple and how they can, you know, leverage their at bat. It's just they're tough to deal with. Talk- those, those are the guys that, that I would have the, the hardest time if I was an opponent. Talking to Matt Hobbs and the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline again, Razorback pitching coach. Uh, just about out of time here, coach. I want to ask you about James Madison. We talked to Bubba about them. Yesterday I said, Bubba, what do you know about James Madison? He said, I know they're the Dukes. So I'm curious, again, at this point in the season, no disrespect to James Madison, but are you focused as much on the opponent as you would be later in the season, especially in conference play, or are you mostly focused on seeing what your guys will do in a game setting? No, it's about our guys. I mean, with the transfer portal in the beginning of the season and how much guys change in nine, eight, nine months, you, you don't know what they're going to roll out there, so... The returners that we do know about, we'll we'll give our guys information on it, but it's all it's about our guys. And honestly, like, yes, we do have lots of ways to scout our opponents, but it's always about our guys first. Mm-hmm. So we we try to keep it simple for them. But we'll have a decent game plan for James Madison after game one. I think that's when you're really going to build your game plan off of at the beginning of the season, anyway. Yeah. All right. Before we let you go, um, coaches don't get walk up music, but if you had a walk up music to go out and visit your pitcher what would matt hobbs's walk-up music be <laughs> uh let's see i like acdc so really anything by acdc or metallica those okay. are like my two favorite bands so right. either one of those two that'd be a great addition to the game yeah. walk-up music for pitch coach i think so yeah give me i think so give me like fuel give me fire or soundtrack when they're walking out to the mound i think that would be yeah good. when you're gonna pull a guy they play inner sandman and it'd be 
<laughs> time to go rest, son. Uh, hey, Matt, listen, thanks for the time. Good luck this season. I know we'll get you on again. i got a few other guys I want to ask you about, but we're out of time. So thanks so much for making uh, a few minutes for us on game week. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you all. All right, great stuff. Matt Hobbs, as always.